It is Salif Keita. The track is called Kono. I must admit, it's one of my favorite tracks. But when I was thinking about our guest for this evening, I was like, and remembering her journey story, and I'm going to touch on it, uh, get 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 her to share some of um, her lived experience, especially on the continent. I figured, hey, you know, why not some Salif Keita? She joins us now on the line, Larato Mohwal, author, vagabond, wandering through Africa on faith, a lover of the continent. And can I can I still call you a journalist, Larato? Or is it a former journalist? How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, and you? I'm good. I think let's just go with storyteller, because I'm still telling stories, just not necessarily as a journalist. Yeah, most definitely. The, the, the reason why I, I played uh, Salif, um, of course, Salif, you know, the golden voice of the continent and mm. and also very much a son of the soil in, in Mali, a griot. And I consider you to be a griot as well. Um, but but also the reason for Salif Keita specifically is that your journey of living on the continent started in Mali, right? Yes. So I I had two beginnings when I left South Africa the first one was in Senegal, and then when then I, I say this is when it really started for me was mm-hmm. when I went to Mali and started over. And in this trip, I got to meet Habib Kwate. You know, I always have to mention this yeah, and, and befriend him. Hang on, in Timbuktu. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, yeah, I'll throw in my 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 story of Ali Fakature at some point. But yes. Oh um, my God! Right. Yeah, no, most definitely. But Lerato, one cannot assume that everybody knows who Lerato is, and and it is important to just start there. And if one were to to tell your story as to who you are and what you are living right now, what's the easiest and i know it's not easy at all but what's the easiest way to to introduce yourself as Lerato? i'll go with my favorite my favorite way to introduce myself is that i'm just a girl next door who's living her dream and living her life deliberately and intentionally so that it's centered around things that make me happy so that I spend a lot of my time being at peace with myself. That's not always the case, but when I reflect on my life and the state of my life, I prefer to feel more peace than conflict with mm. who I am at, at any given point. So then I try to make sure that my life is centered around things that make me happy. It's something as simple as drinking my favorite tea in my my favorite way in very big mugs because I love very big mugs. Or it can be something as what I'm actually going through at the moment, which is which is allowing myself to say to people, I actually feel very emotionally exhausted. We're living in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to be as present and as available as I would like to be or as I would have previously been, right? So also relating to myself with honesty and trusting that that honesty and that balance will work out for me presently in the end, in the long term. The long term is that, of course, I always say that when I die, I want my last words to be thank you. Mm. I, I mentioned earlier that one of um, the the statements that you made in the past, which 
always resonated with me is that everyone is entitled to the definition of, of free life. And what you've said now really speaks to that because you, you want to live your best life as honestly as possible. Um, and also, even if, like you said, even if you're not feeling at your best, but at least you're honest about it. When it comes to people receiving that, you in all your honesty, even when you're not feeling well, how have you found people relate to that level of honesty in living true to you being free? I think one of the blessings of of meaningful relationships is that they tend to not be seasonal, but they grow with you depending on the seasons of your life. So I feel very lucky that in that regard, I can... The, the relationships that I have in my life allow me to be myself and express myself freely because there really isn't any malice in people living their lives and living their truths in ways that resonate with them, right? And it would be very dysfunctional and worrying if a truth that hurts no one and compromises no one somehow offends the next person. I always find that so shocking and dodgy. And if anyone in my life was not didn't feel like love and home and a safely lending. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt that I would even relate to them. And that's not just a closeness. It's generally speaking, people must just be in the language of, of, of um, Twitter, must be good vibes, is it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, people yeah. must be good vibes, right? You know what I, I actually um, learned? that sometimes you say these things, like, well, I could say these things and not be aware of what they really mean and the impact of that. So two and a half years ago, something very interesting happened to me that slowed me down and allowed me to recognize also, I guess, stepping back and allowing peace to manifest, right? I was speaking to this gentleman, he's a friend of mine, and we were talking about a trip I was planning um, to go back to Sudan, and he's in Sudan. He was facilitating that. It was really being thoroughly, thoroughly planned. And then he suddenly stopped talking to me. And I kept on thinking to myself, why would this person disappear? It's such bad manners. And I kept on wanting to to call them out on it, like, oh, such bad manners. How could you just be like that? But then I kept on stepping back, right, because I was starting to internalize this thing that I, mm. I'm also seeing a lot on, on online and particularly on Twitter that um, we're all going through something. Mm. So mm. I stepped back and when we saw each other again, he was just telling me, oh, you know, after my wife gave birth, my kid got sick. So we were just going through that and I didn't have time to deal with everything else. And I thought two things. Yeah. Thank God. I stepped back and didn't center myself. Number two, it's 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 okay to to tell other people that you're going through something without even having to be specific about it. That just mm. means every other thing stops being a priority except your well-being in so far as it's related to that thing. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to connect the realness that you speak of to your travels on the continent and how the views that you hold were reinforced or not mm. on the continent in your travels. We're in conversation with uh, Larato Mohatle, uh, and we uh, will continue in the next minute or so. 
The Meeting Point, Wednesdays and Thursdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Only on SAFM. The Meeting Point with Koketo Sachane. At 23 minutes past nine, we are still in conversation with the free spirit that is Lerato Mohwatle, author of The Vagabond, Wandering Through Africa on Faith. Lerato, again, thank you very much for still being with us. And I mentioned just before the break that um, in, in listening to your journey of living your true self and connecting it to the stories that you shared in your book that you shared on on Twitter, um, I wanted to, to find out how much of an impact being on the continent and living on the continent, traveling on the continent, has how much of an impact it had on the person that you are today? Because I'm reminded of, you know, some of your journeys in, in on the continent, specifically going to like, for example, in 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 Burkina Faso, what you lived there, and how also it's humbling, as well, the life on the continent versus what we could easily be taken for granted in South Africa. Absolutely, um, I'll speak to what changed. I think. For me, it's it's just the love and the tenderness, and in a word that's very familiar to all of us in South Africa, Ubuntu, right? But not just Ubuntu as something you believe in or want to experience. Imagine Ubuntu that allows you, because you know that the, the next person can can be trusted at that level. That allows you to open your house to a complete stranger. The only reason that you're opening your house to them is because they showed up at your door or they pulled you out in a crowd and said, I don't have a place to stay. Can I please stay at your house? Right? Not even, do you know I can go? They're very specific in their request. This is the load that I'm carrying and I'm passing it on to you. Or the type of the type of generosity that makes a person when you walk in say to themselves, we live in the desert, it's very hot, it's been a long day, would you like to shower? And, you know, have you ever had that feeling when you're very, very tired and it's, you've been sweating, you've been out in the sun and mm. and you're not mm. at your house? Mm. And someone says, because of course we live in the desert, of course we've been out and about. I assume that as my body experiences, so does yours too. So would you like to go shower? So those things, the little things, the little things that, you know, when you think about it, you don't, I, well, when I think about it, I don't travel necessarily to say, oh, because I want to meet kind strangers who are going to teach me something else about love and about unconditional love and the kindness of strangers and the miracle in that. But nonetheless, when you come back from a journey, these are the things that stay forever, right? I cannot tell you how Mali looks 100% in, in detail and in the description that I would have told you in 2009 at this time, right? Because I was living in Mali. But I can tell you now about the love and kindness and patience that I received in Mali. And I'm still not the world's most patient person mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. However... I'm really, really being very mindful and very conscious to just extend a helping hand where I can and to just be, to help someone. You know, sometimes when when you meet a stranger and you see this glimmer of fear, right? 
um, running through their eyes or it's vulnerability. I don't know what it is, but when I see it, now I see it as fear, like, oh, I just need someone to be my hero right now. I just need someone to let me breathe, even if it's just an escape for like a night or 20 minutes or a few hours from my problems and the things that are heavy on me. West Africa really, really taught me that, Mali in particular, because that's where I lived for six months. And Sudan reaffirmed that because in Sudan, people don't don't lock their houses. And when I was at a hotel, they closed it with a ribbon to stop it from flipping in the wind. But that's how safe Khartoum was. There was a rumor that um, the ambassador of the United States doesn't run with his security in Khartoum because it's not necessary, right? So for me to also experience a sense of freedom from crime, a sense of freedom from the anxieties of living in South Africa was phenomenal. And then the humbling experience, there's nothing humbling about traveling. And for me, when I lived around the continent and I still travel, I see how how culturally bankrupt South Africa is generally. I see how how bereft we are of an identity, of a collective identity as black people that exists freely, that exists without claiming for space, fighting for space. Like, you did know, it can be Heritage Day, not Bright Day. Like, why? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, on that, on that, <laughs> I, I want to, <laughs> you're opening up a whole other, other uh, kennel of worms, which I would love to get into if, if we had a lot of time. But on uh, on that, though, I wanted to, to um, find out what have you noticed since since your travel, since your sharing, since the book? What have you noticed around South Africa's relationship or South Africans' relationship, perception of the rest of the continent on the basis of what you have shared thus far? What I, what I really love is when people say to me, it made me stop and think about safety and fear and projecting that on you, right? Mm. Because what what is intre- what I want, what I ultimately want people to do, is to to always step back and not experience being South African in comparison to to being African. So by that I mean not not say oh. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to drag you a little bit. Not say, oh, it must have been so humbling because you came back and you got to appreciate South Africa. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that assumption that there is something to appreciate here. Yes, tons. There's lots to appreciate, but it can be appreciated without comparison, right? Because mm-hmm. everything has what it really brings. But what the rest of my travels brought was was a substance to my identity, was an understanding of it that when not be, that didn't just go beyond what I personally believed in, right? It went into what I see. One of my favorite experiences, bar none in the world, was the first time I, I arrived in Nairobi, it always it was it was weird. It was always in passing, and then I arrived. Then I took a taxi, went to the hotel. Then when I got to the hotel, I showered and went to town. Now that's when I really arrived in Nairobi. That's my arrival. I get downtown and. It's, it's in the CBD and it's busy. I think it was a Friday evening. It's busy. Yeah. There's uh, kiosks with cell phones, you know, tag things everywhere. And um, and I'm, I, I, I always get lost because of a poor sense of direction. So I stepped back and I said, oh, let me just look where I am 
so that I can, if anything else, if I know how to come back to the spot, I'll be fine because that's where the bus dropped me off. And as I start walking and noticing the streets names, Nyabona, I'm walking down Uhuru, walking mm-hmm. down Tafiwa, I'm walking down Haile Selassie. You know, I'm surrounded by Africa. I'm on Kigali Lane. I mean, Accra. do you see? When yeah. you see yourself like that in the places around in your own continent, when your blackness, your history, your culture, your struggles, because our struggles are important. Our struggles define us because we have overcome everything we have overcome with racism and colonialism. So that struggle as well, when you look at the corner and you are on the corner of Haile Selassie and Uhuru versus, for instance, the, the corner of Jan van Riebeken and Paul yeah. Kruger, right, which is like a real story in Cape Town. Maybe not Paul Kruger and van Riebeken, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I know, I know exactly. And what you're saying, and we, we must wrap up, um, Lerato, but w- w- what I love about what you're saying is you were seen. Mm. You saw yourself, mm-hmm. you were seen. And that is, mm-hmm. that is very, very important. If we are to be whole, we need to see ourselves in our surroundings. My sister, mm-hmm. as the storyteller that you are, I could go on forever, but we are out of time. And I must say again, I appreciate you in what you continue to share with us and uh, for making time to speak to us this evening. Thank you so much. The author, Vagabond, wandering through Africa on faith. And as she said, you know, free spirit, storyteller, go and get the book, follow on Twitter at Madam Africa, and let us immerse ourselves on this year continent that many of us are yet to explore. And that is where we concluded. Thank you very much to the team, as always. Uh, Lilford, appreciate it. Lesero, uh, thank you. Phineas, uh, much love to you. Thank you very much. And to you for being with us on The Meeting Point. It is 28 minutes to 10. Have a good evening.